Dr. Michelotti of Helena Orthopedic Clinic grew up in Butte. My next door neighbor in Butte was the trainer for Butte High School. And so pretty much from third grade on, I was in the Butte High training room and that had a lot of influence on me. We get to care for people with everything from ankle fractures to hip fractures in older folks, elbow fractures or injuries in little kids. Most people come to you with a problem that most of the time we can fix. Hopefully we've made their lives a little bit better. Helena Orthopedic Clinic, now taking appointments at their new location in Butte. Hi, I'm Mark Barbanen. On February 8, 2008, I accepted Mariah's Challenge. And here's what Mariah's Challenge means to me. It means not just saying no to drinking and driving, but for me personally, it meant saying no to alcohol altogether. I wanted to set a better example for my kids and my grandkids to show them that adults could have fun too without alcohol being involved. But it also means having the courage to look myself in the mirror and make a change. It means being the best person I can possibly be for myself and my family. It means growing old and helping others do the same. I'm Mark Parvernan, and I accept Mariah's challenge. I hope you can join me and show that you, too, are Butte Tough. Thank you. Today's podcast is presented by Thriftway Superstops. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today and find a clean, friendly, professional, and safe environment. You will never find a casino at Thriftway. Thriftway's fountain drinks also taste just like they are supposed to. That is a big deal for me, and I definitely cannot say that about other convenience stores. Download the TLC app, and every sixth fountain drink is free. You can also take advantage of big discounts on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, and fresh brewed coffee. TLC members also receive five cents off every gallon of top-tier fuel each and every day. Stop by your neighborhood Thriftway today because everybody deserves some TLC. Thriftway Superstops is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast. Now... Let's get the show started. Welcome to the Butte Cast with Bill Foley. It's a podcast about the greatest city in the world, Butte, America. Amen. Let's meet the people and characters who make Butte the richest hill on earth. Now, here's my dad. When an athlete makes a run at a long-standing record, we usually see a name from the past that we might not know. That was the case for many with Joe Antonetti, a Butte Central basketball star from the late 1960s when Brooke Badovinick and Dougie Peoples made a run at his single-season scoring record for the Mining City. Antonetti scored 638 points in 27 games as the Maroons placed third at the Big 32 tournament in 1969. That record stood until 2022 when Badovinick, a BC junior, scored 671 points in 29 games. In that same season, Peoples, also a BC junior, scored 629 points in 27 games as he led the Maroons to the Class A state title. Antonetti's name made game stories in ButteSports.com multiple times as the two Maroons made their incredible runs at history. To people paying attention to basketball in the 1960s, Antonetti was certainly no stranger. Since Joe left Butte for good after graduating from high school, though, the younger generations did not know his name. He was just a legend from the record books compiled by Pat Carney. So, I set out to learn a little bit more about Antonetti, who was inducted into the Butte Sports Hall of Fame in 2003. 
I learned that he played basketball at Gonzaga before becoming a science teacher and a successful high school basketball coach. He was particularly successful during a 12-season run as the head girls varsity coach of Kalispell Flathead. There, he compiled a record of 214 wins and 69 losses. I also found some photos of Joe that showed he looked way more like George McFly on the court than he did Larry Bird or Michael Jordan. He was a tall, skinny guy who wore glasses as he played. Still, Aunt Nettie could score. He scored 85 points in four games at the Big 32 in 1969. Until Badavinican Peoples had their big season in 2022, Joe was the only high school basketball player in Butte, Butte High or Butte Central, to score more than 600 points in a single season. He averaged 17.5 points per game over his career, and during his senior season, he scored in double figures in 26 out of 27 games. Joe now lives with his wife in Liberty Lake, Washington, which is near Spokane. Tuesday night, I called Joe on the telephone for a really fun conversation. Listen in to hear about his playing days at BC and playing in the Big 32. Listen as he talks about growing up the son of a legendary boxer. Joe's father, who was also named Joe, was inducted into the Butte Sports Hall of Fame in 1997. Listen in as Joe talks about his coaching days and his family life. Listen to hear how he is still in Maroon and how he celebrated as he watched Dougie Peoples hit that buzzer-beating three-point shot to give the Maroons the title in 2022. If you are liking these conversations, make sure you thank our sponsors. Tell them you heard them on the Buttecast. If you would like your business on the Buttecast, drop me a line at full 74 at gmail.com. That's F-O-L-E-S-7-4 at gmail.com. Also, let me know if there is someone you'd like to hear from on the podcast. I have a huge list of suggestions so far, and I'm working hard to get to all of them, as well as the ones I suggested for myself. First, though, let's check in with a Mining City hardwood legend, Joe Antonetti. All right, now, Joe, I was, I've been doing a lot of research on you, uh, reading some newspaper stories, which, of course, I, I told you the other day I had to do some research on you because of Brooke Badovinic and Dougie Peoples kind of assaulted your record a couple years ago. Yeah, they sure did, and I'm proud of them. Yeah, and uh, the thing I noticed is you were a tall, skinny guy with uh, glasses. I was going to say you, you, you looked a little more George McFly than, than Michael Jordan. On the basketball yeah. court, <laughs> right? Yeah, that was yeah. I was I was thin kid, about six two, six one and a half. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, and you were, uh, of course, a good jump shooter is what they is what I read up on you. Said you had a pretty good jump shooter. You could jump pretty high, and you're pretty athletic, uh, pretty good player. Yeah, the jump shot, especially the the 14 to 18, 19 foot jump shot in those days was a big shot because you didn't have the three point line. Yeah. So it, it was different. The three point line really changed the game a lot. It sure did. Yeah. That didn't come in. I believe in 87 is when it came in in Montana high school. And, uh, yeah. I, I talked, one of the last times I talked to Charlie Merrifield last year, I wrote a story about Dougie people's passing, jumping Joe Kelly, you know, for, yeah. and, uh, and, Betty and Charlie Merrifield came up to me, and Charlie said, "If there was a three-point line when Jumpin' Joe Kelly played, Dougie would have never been anywhere close to him." <laughs> yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Joe Kelly. Yeah, did you? Were you old enough to watch him play? No, I was not. He was before my time, so I really didn't know him. Yeah, uh, just heard a lot about him and heard a lot of good things about him. Was he kind of a legend around Butte Central when you were going to school there? 
Well, no, I, no, we didn't talk about it. it. Was most everything was uh, closer to that time frame? Yeah, Judd was a big player in the in those days. There was a few years ahead of me. He was a really good player for Central. He could really shoot the ball. Yeah, I know Pat Carney kind of brought a lot of guys back. You know, Pat Carney talked of jumping Joe Kelly like my grandpa mm-hmm. talked about Mickey Mantle. You oh, know? Yeah. Okay. yeah. And it was just basically by going through his stats is what Pat did. You know, he I don't think he ever was watching jumping Joe Kelly. He was pretty young, too. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about him in his day. Yeah. Now, and one of the most, you know, I, I was looking up, you scored 638 points in 27 games in 1969, which... That's an incredible feat to think about, uh, you know, because I, I was there to watch Dougie do it, and and Brooke had three seventy one, which I don't know if you ever watched Brooke play. We called her the assassin because she just she had the you know mentality of, of a cold blooded assassin out there. She wasn't phased by anything, but mm-hmm. but that kind of put it in perspective for a lot of people how great of a thing that was because nobody had scored other than you. Nobody had scored six hundred points in a basketball season in high school in Butte for Butte High or Butte Central, boy or girl. So it was yeah. kind of cool to have your name brought up in all that. Yeah, it was it was an amazing year. And, and as you know, whether it's uh, Brooke or, or Dougie Peoples or me, it's a team game, and the team's a big part of all of that. Yeah. And you're speaking of your teams, the, the, that's what I was going to get into, is the best thing that I saw, the best stat I found, was against Butte High. You guys beat Butte High twice in the regular season. <laughs> And divisionals. Sorry about that. My my phone making noises on me there. And uh, twice in the regular season and divisionals, both years uh, in '68 and '69. So you won six games against Butte High School as uh, yeah. in in two years. And uh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys. I, I still love it. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of guys who never won once against Butte High School, yeah. and 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 yeah. people who have won once they they wear it out on their sleeve like crazy. But you beat them six times. Yeah, you know, there were some really, really good outs on Butte High when you look back at it in those days. Uh, yeah. When I was a senior, we had guys like Monty Seaver and Greg Salo, Glenn Welch and Dave Manovich and Tommy Riopel, uh Ronnie Richards are some of the guys that I remember, Doug Cleveland, yeah. Marty Judd. You know, those were really good athletes. So for us to be able to beat them uh, six times uh, when I was <laughs> a really fond memory for me. I bet was was that rivalry had to be pretty nuts then because well, both schools were good at football then too. You know, Central had some great football teams then, and and Butte High, yeah. of course. You talk about Ron Richards. He, you know, he was uh, all state both ways two years in a row on state championship football teams. So it was yeah. just a great era for sports in Butte. It really was. There were some good athletes at at both Central and Butte High. You know, I had to play with guys like Jimmy George and Danny Mahoney and and. Uh, Johnny Toomey, who was a good uh, uh, senior with me, and Billy Mitchell, uh, those were great players. And so we had some just some real battles with Butte High during those days. Yeah. What was Dan Mahoney like? I, I always I've heard so many people tell me he was the toughest guy in town at one point. Maybe still. I, I would probably put maybe still. <laughs> yeah. But he's such a nice guy. When I when I heard that, I was shocked. I'm like, Dan Mahoney seems like the nicest guy you'll ever meet. I can't even picture him in a fight. He competes. He's as good a competitor yeah. as I've ever played against. Uh, I can still remember playing one-on-one in my driveway on Carolina Street against Mahoney, and he'd get mad because I could shoot over the top of him. I was a little bigger <laughs> and a little longer. Run. But gosh darn, that guy would get into your gut. 
and he was as strong <laughs> as a mountain. He wouldn't let you move an inch. So I'd have to back up to get a shot off of him, and then he'd get mad. He was probably as good a defender as I ever played against in basketball, and now it's even at the college level. You had a basketball hoop in your driveway? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yeah, when I was uh, – I, I, so I grew up on um, <clears throat> second, East 2nd Street, and then after 8th grade, we moved to Carolina Street. And so my dad put a basket up in my driveway, and then he actually put a street light over the top of it so I could play at night. Oh, really? And, I was able to go out and shoot a lot uh, on my own. In those days, you just didn't have the AAU programs or the, oh, no, yeah. the things and the, the summer leagues and the summer tournaments. They just didn't exist. So you had to do a lot of things on your own to develop your game. And so having that basket and that light in my driveway really, really helped me. You just shot all the time then? I did. And even when I come home, uh, after practice when I was in high school, my mom said, you got to get out there and you got to do some shooting. Well, you know what it's like in Butte in the winter? <laughs> oh, boy. I had to buy an old an old bouncy basketball that normally you wouldn't want to play because you'd dribble and it would bounce up to your shoulders. Yeah. But it would dribble perfectly in the cold weather right up to your waist level. <laughs> And I could use that to go shoot. I'd put mittens on and I'd put a stocking cap on and a heavy coat and, and go out and try to get another hour's worth of shooting in in the evenings because I had the opportunity to do that in my driveway. Did you get, did when those rubber balls, would they be murder on the tips of your fingers when you were shooting, wouldn't they? Well, yeah, I had to wear gloves. Yeah, because those things. I, had, uh... I, wore, I wore a handball glove because it gave me a little bit of grip and it wasn't so heavy. And oh, really? Yeah. So it worked, you know, I just played and guys would come by and play. Billy Mitchell would stop by and play and Danny Mahoney would, you know, he was a, he was always around playing. So we had a lot of fun doing that. Yeah. Did your dad play basketball at all? No, my dad was a boxer. Yeah. Cause I was really, he went in the hall of fame as a boxer. And yeah. but he, so he just wanted you to probably, did, he probably didn't want you to be a boxer. <laughs> well, he did. Oh, did he? <laughs> yeah. He was the coach of the Dude Elks team. Oh, was and, he? Uh, we go up to, and, and I boxed for a while when I was young, but uh, in the gym where we worked out at the at the Elks, there was a basket at the far end. And, yeah. And we'd go into the workouts, and everybody would be showering. I'd go down and shoot and shoot. <laughs> they would stay with me and let me shoot. And this is when I was in grade school. No, really? And uh, shoot a lot and as much as I could, wherever I could. And, and he, he had me fight a couple times. I had uh, two boxing matches, and I split them. And after the second one, I said, well, I just want to see if you had some competitiveness in you, and, and you did. So um, I switched from boxing to basketball. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> I, I used to shoot in that same Elks hoop for hours. My dad played handball, and I'd sit there and shoot. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah that's and, the same. Yeah, it's the same. I'm sure it's the same old wooden backboard that's in the same hoop yeah. that's right there today. I spent hours shooting in there myself when I was the little kid. So. Yeah. And yeah. see, the thing is, I used to shoot – I could knock knock to shoot the lights out down the Elks by myself, but of course, when you put somebody on me, it was a different story. <laughs> yeah, you know, one of the things that I did um, to learn to shoot over guys like Danny Mahoney is we, I put up a rope, a clothesline rope, uh-huh. about 15 feet from my basket in my driveway. I was able to tie it to a telephone pole on the left baseline, and I get behind that and shoot over it. Oh, and really? Shoot over. And shoot over, and it made me lift my shot. It taught me to lift my shot. I think it, it helped me quite a bit. So when Mahoney came over, I could shoot over the top of him. So you have a pretty high arcing shot, then, like uh, 
What was well, it? Well, you learn to, you know, because you have to if people are defending it tough. Yeah, like Reggie Miller. Remember, he had that shot when he played for the Pacers. He would yes. shoot that so high, and that was because he had to shoot over his sister Cheryl when he was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we'll have a deal. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah, yeah, that probably helped you getting shots up like that because, of course, and you yeah. plus you were six, six two. Were you, uh, how, how was your height? How was six two? Was that tall back then or was it? Uh, Mid size. You know, in yeah. Montana, we never had a real big guy. Kyle Skull had Brent Wilson. I think Brent was about 6'11. And uh, Great Falls High had a Ray Howard. I can't forget how big Ray was. Maybe six, six or six five. Yeah. Those were big kids in Montana for the most part in those days. Yeah, and you never, you never had to throw uh, the boxing punch on the basketball court then. Gosh, no, no. <laughs> Once I could give up the boxing, I gave it up. Yeah, your your dad. Uh, I, he used to play golf at the Muni. Well, he loved it. Yeah, and my, so my dad and my grandpa knew him pretty well. Yeah. He, he loved this, so. Yeah, he, he 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 didn't seem like a fighter, you know. Like, but of course, no. George Thomas, I used to talk to him all the time about Eli, you know. And you never would have guessed George was a fighter either. Buddy, buddy, buddy. When they were younger. Yeah, well, I, I believe uh, I read one obituary, maybe one of the Malia's uh, obituary that mentioned your dad and uh, Eli as being good buddies. Yeah, they were. Um, think I'm right about this, but my dad talked, he didn't talk much about that, but he said him and Eli were really good friends and they were in the same weight class. So they, they boxed twice against each other and they each won once and both like for like split decisions. Oh, really? And everybody, and I think this is true. Everybody wanted them to box again and they said, no, no, that's good enough. We'll, we'll call it even. Yeah. One, one's pretty good record against Eli. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, that's what uh, I just, you know, I was the course marshal at the Muni back in early 90s. Jack Crowley hired me to be a marshal. So I oh, got to know oh. a lot of those, uh, a lot of those, you know, guys that go- golfed out there, you know, that that area like Owen Bush and Perrin Dudley and Sly Jim Sullivan. You know, I got to meet a lot of those guys and, and got to meet your dad when he played yeah. out there. It was pretty cool. They really were a lot of good athletes. And he was a very humble guy, too. You know, he didn't. Never would have guessed he was such a good athlete. You know, he, of course, he went in the Hall of Fame, I think, in 97, which was a little bit after my time as a marshal. But he never mm-hmm. never had any – of course, most boxers are pretty humble. Good. I, I always like – boxers are some of my favorite people. You know, yeah. they're always speaking he, he the truth. You did not want to cross his red line. Oh, really? <laughs> if you cross his red line, he lets you know about it. Was he pretty strict when when he had to be, huh? No, he didn't. He didn't overdo things as as long as you were good. But he just didn't want you to uh, to go beyond certain points. Yeah. Now, did you play football at all for Butte Central? I did not. No, I, I played basketball, ran cross country, and track. No. Yeah, a lot safer playing uh, running cross country. Although it's a lot yeah. harder, it is harder though. People, <laughs> the first cross country practice was harder than any football practices. You know, I, I, cross country really helped me as an athlete. I felt because you have to compete so hard. We had a coach named Jerry Downey who was a great cross country coach in those days, and we would run. I mean, not just distance, but a lot of short sprints. Yeah, and we'd run the sprint, and then we'd have a, just a short time frame to. Rest and I didn't run it again, and and I just firmly believe that that stuff really helped me as an athlete. Yeah, 
And when did you realize you were a pretty good basketball player? Because you, you played varsity, what well, mostly of did you did you start two years or did you play a is a sophomore too no. in varsity? Actually, I grew up in East Second. Like I said, I went to St. Joe's, and uh, St. Joe's wasn't one of the powerhouse athletic schools at the time. You know, it was all the St. Anne's and the St. John's kids, yeah. and we had a tough time competing against them. But I could, I felt I could shoot if, if I could get a shot off. I could, I could make a lot of them. So yeah, um, I did okay there. And then when I got to Central as a freshman. They kept 12 kids that year, and from what I understand, I was the last kid kept on the team. Oh, really? I don't know how true that is, but <laughs> some, some people told me that. Yeah. And so I, but and I didn't start, and I didn't start, and I didn't start for like four or five, six games. And I, I wasn't even playing. My dad kept saying, just be ready. When you get your chance, you'll get a chance someday. you got to be ready. And we were playing in Missoula Hellgate my freshman year, and the starting forward for us um, got his third foul about three minutes into the second quarter. And all of a sudden, I'm sitting at the end of the bench like usual. I hear Brother Farrell say, Anthony, get in there. Hmm. So I was ready. I went in and remember getting six points and three or four rebounds in the second quarter. And um, he started the other kid in the third quarter who immediately picked up his fourth foul. And he put me back in, and I just ended up having a good day. I ended up with 14 or 16 and eight or nine rebounds. And from there, I just got to start playing a lot. Early, as a freshman, even, on the on the freshman yeah. team? Was it a freshman team or varsity? It was freshman. All freshman team. And you didn't start right away, huh? That's crazy. No, you didn't start. Then sophomore year, I played on the JVs and had a really yeah. good JV team. Bob Petrino was uh, the coach. And if you know anything about putts, uh, you worked your butt off. Yeah, he's kind of like a drill sergeant. And he, and we had a really good season. And a couple stories from Cuts. He was, uh, we were playing Bozeman, and late in the game, this JV year when I'm a sophomore, Bozeman has the ball, and we have a one point lead, and they get called timeout, and there's like 10 seconds left. He says, Antonetti, you do not let your player shoot. Okay, <laughs> cool. So my kid gets the ball, and it keeps going further and further and further. Pretty soon he's out about 10 feet from half court. And I said, I can't I back off and he lets one fly and swishes it. <laughs> he lose by one. There was no three points fine. He swishes it. Yeah. I thought Pup was going to just kill me. <laughs> I was afraid to go in the locker room. I go to walk into the locker room after the game, and he's waiting for me at the door. And he says, Anthony, you owe me one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all he said. So really? he was pretty good. But yeah. Yeah, I've heard some legendary stories about Putter Petrino. Most of them involve football. Yeah, but, uh, and then and then of course Otto Simon was the varsity coach then. Yeah, Otto was a great coach. He was uh, uh, had a little bit different disposition than Putts did. Uh, he was a really good tactician, very good disciplinarian, taught really good fundamentals. I learned a lot from Otto. Yeah, he was, I believe, the offensive line coach maybe at Central too. Yeah. Yeah, he was. I know he was. Uh, he did a good job with those guys too. Was he a big guy? Was he big? Yeah. Was he like a like a lineman type big, or was he smaller guy? No, he more lineman. Yeah, full body. He 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 did a good job coaching us, and and uh, you know, we all respected him and listened to him, and he got us a long ways. That's for sure. Yeah, and and you graduated '69 from Central. My, right. my my mom went to Central. She graduated in 1970. Jody Arce. Oh, okay. And she so she 
Well, when I graduated from Central, we were still at Boys Central. Yeah, I think she was the first class that they combined. Their yeah. senior year. A lot of the girls, obviously, we didn't know as well as most people do in high school. Yeah. We weren't even in class with them or anything like that. Yeah. That doesn't sound like a lot of fun not having any girls in the class. <laughs> you know, we liked it at the time, but when I look back at it, it was definitely different. Yeah, can I mean, I... It was always hard for me to understand what my dad would call Boys Central. And uh, yeah. now if you tell the kids that now, they'd probably look like you like, like you had two heads, you know. There was a boys' school <laughs> and a girls' school. Exactly. Yeah, but she told me, though, I talked to my mom last night, and she said she remembered when you played that the student section would always have a cheer saying something like, Joe, Aunt Nettie, Aunt Nettie, Aunt Nettie. Do you remember them well, cheering your name? I don't remember any of that. I know we had a really good student section and a really good uh, – Pep club. Yeah, I think it was the pep club. She said used to say that the pep club. Maybe. You know, and when you're playing in the game, you don't you don't hear that stuff. Yeah. You know, you're concentrating on the game. You can't be hearing the the crowd and that kind of stuff. At least I never did, because you got to be focused on the game and what's going on within the game itself. Yeah, yeah. If you're you're listening to the crowd, you're you're probably <laughs> things probably yeah. aren't going very well, right? Look at some of those guys today that are great players and. You know, they give this sign to the crowd after they make a three or something. Yeah. It's changed. It, it sounds like a diva to me. It's nothing like that would have ever happened in my day. <laughs> well, yeah, you, you, I can't imagine what Putter would have done if you'd have motioned towards the this, this student well, section if after making yeah, a shot. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you might not be here. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of that. Congratulations to this week's Lescovar Honda Athletes of the Week, Butte High senior wrestlers Kiara Case and Naden Kushin. The honors come after the Bulldog Grapplers had a strong weekend on the mats. Case takes home the girls' honor after a big-time performance to lead the Bulldogs at the Billings Mixer at Billings Senior High School. Wrestling at 138 pounds, Case went 3-0 as she continues an impressive first year competing in the sport. Case is also a standout soccer player for the Bulldogs. Kusheen receives the boys' accolades after bumping up in weight and leading the Bulldogs at the Class AA duels in Great Falls. Kusheen moved up to 170 pounds and went 4-0 in the tournament. As a linebacker, Kusheen also had a great season for the Bulldog football team in the fall. Congratulations, Kiera and Aiden, and thank you, Lescovar Honda, for honoring the hardworking student-athletes of the Mining City. Hey, Butte America, John Davis here of Lescovar Honda. We want to wish all of you a happy new year and invite you down to see our newest selection of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Most of our vehicles come with a 20-year, 200,000-mile powertrain warranty, and all of them come with free car washes for life. If you're in the market for a rental car, we have everything to rent from five passenger vehicles all the way up to a 13 passenger vehicles. Stop on down and see us, Lask of our Honda. Visiting your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops was already your favorite stop of the day. Now it is even better. Join the brand new Thriftway Loyalty Club to rack up big discounts, earn free stuff, and receive more TLC with every visit. Download the TLC app and take advantage of great deals on pizza, grab-and-go favorites, fresh-brewed coffee, cool fountain drinks, and much, much more at your neighborhood Thriftway Superstops. Loyalty Club members also save 5 cents per gallon off top-tier conical fuel every single day. Plus, earn points at the pump and in the store. Casa Grande Steakhouse serves steak and so much more. You cannot beat their seasoned, hand-cut Rocky Mountain ground beef. 
But did you know about their menu filled with made-to-order pastas, chicken sautés, mouth-watering seafood, appetizers, enticing desserts, or their most recent addition, sushi? Thursday nights are sushi nights at Casa Grandes, where you will be welcomed as a part of the family. Casa Grandes can also handle all your catering needs with style, class, and a taste that cannot be beat. Visit Casa Grande Steakhouse inside the historic Bertoglio Warehouse at 801 South Utah Avenue in Uptown Butte. Call 406-723-4141 for reservations. Check out their menu at casagrandesteakhouse.com. Casa Grande Steakhouse, eat where the locals eat. Is your house too cold or is it too hot? Either way, Lockmer Sheet Metal is here to help. With more than 40 years of experience in the heating, ventilation, and air conditioning trade, Lockmer Sheet Metal strives to bring you quality service and knowledgeable work to help with your HVAC projects or needs. Lockmer Sheet Metal offers repair services for all forced air, central air systems, installation of new HVAC systems, service contracts for maintenance and service, all residential and commercial applications, fabrication of sheet metal for all types of projects, and ventilation and exhaust systems. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerSheetMetal.com to warm up or cool down with Lockmer Sheet Metal, your local dealer of train heating, cooling, air handling, and ventilation products. For all your home heating and cooling needs, remember Lockmer Sheet Metal. And, and now you guys, your central teams, you got th- fourth place in 68 and third place in 69, and the big 32 was going on then. And that to me, that's an era that I really wish I would have been around to see because the big you 32 know, just seems so fun. Yeah. To me, you know, and I coached a lot of years in several schools in Montana once I was done playing. And I think the big 32 was fantastic. You had the biggest 32 teams in the state, obviously were one level. And I think it was the little 32 and then everybody else, I believe I'm not positive on that. Yeah, but two, I can remember. I know Great Falls High won at one time, but um, Laurel won it the year that I was a senior. Wolf Point won it when I was a junior. I think Billing Senior won it one year, and it was only around for I don't know several years, five or six maybe. Yeah, but it was really fun. It was a great, great league. Yeah, it said the newspaper story said you guys lost to Laurel in the semifinals in '69. And mm-hmm. it was Laurel's 25th consecutive win. Yes. And there were 10,700 fans over in Bozeman. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can remember that game to a key. Uh, I can still remember the pit in my stomach walking off the floor after that. Game. Really? Was, put everything into it, and, and we got beat. And fortunately, we came back the next morning. We had to play Anaconda. And I still had the pit in my stomach. I didn't have one of my better games that morning. But yeah. Google saying did and Bill Patrice did and Mahoney came through for us and we ended up squeaking out a win and I came back and played well again that night and I played well again that night against CMR for third. Yeah, you had 34 points and that was a 57-52 win. Yeah, that was a fun game and had a little better feeling walking off that night than I did the night before. Yeah, yeah, that's people, you know, the basketball game is such a High school game, you know, you're you're looking at what thirty two minutes in a in a game, and uh, it's just if you have one bad half of a quarter, it can sink you. You know, you got to like Ted Stanisich always told me, you have to have two things to win a state title. You got to be damn good, and you got to be damn lucky. 
You know, and that's exactly right. Even in the Laurel game, I remember we outscored them in the first quarter by like two, and I think in the second half, we had a little bit of a lull at the end of the second quarter when they separated on us a little bit, and that was the difference in the game. Yeah. And you've seen that through the years, like Butte High's team, that happened to them when they lost in 89. They were undefeated, and then they lost in the championship game. Kalispell, by the way. Were yeah. You, were you coaching for Kalispell then? Um, I was. You were was a girls coach the then, right? Yeah. And uh, I think I might have done that game. I was the color commentator I had Braves for about six or seven years. Oh, I was really? The girls. the girls played in the fall then. Basketball and volleyball was in the winter. Yeah, so I could, I could do the radio with uh, with the boys' games, and, and actually, I, I think that was the game where Mark Gilman hit a big shot. He was a freshman for Kalispell at the end of the game to to win it in the Billings Metro. Yeah, it was in Billings. That's for sure. Yeah, I did the color on that game. Really, and so you're doing the color, and you have your old teammate Pat Foley on the sideline. Yeah, and I love Pat Foley. You know, he and I go way back, and I have a all the respect in the world for Pat. You know, we played a lot against each other and together. And so I had mixed feelings when that happened. I knew all the Kalispell kids. Yeah. Mixed feelings with Pat being on the sideline. Well, and he was, he's a tall guy. Was he a pretty good basketball player? Pat was a great player. Yeah. He was our post player when I was a junior and he and Steve Sullivan was a forward. And those guys were both excellent players. Yeah. A lot of respect for both of them. Yeah. I'm going to have uh Pat on the podcast here soon uh, to talk about his, you know, it's going to be 40 years from his state title team in 84. Oh, good. Yeah. Well, yeah. Pat, I said hi. I, I will for sure. Yeah. I've been, I've been trying to get him on for a couple of weeks now, but uh, he had to travel to watch the grand grandkids uh, swim and oh. over, over near neck of the woods over in Spokane. Oh. Yeah. And then he was, yeah, uh, he came back with RSV. So I got to let him get healthy before we go. That's a tough one. I spent the, uh, watching my granddaughter this last weekend, I was in the gym all weekend watching her play too. So yeah, uh, there, there's, there's always something for him going. Yeah, now, uh, you you went to Gonzaga after after your years at Butte Central, which right. that's uh, I mean that's a pretty big org. That's a pretty good jump to jump up from Butte Central to play for Gonzaga. Uh, how how did your career go there? It went okay. My freshman year went pretty good. You know, I had uh, kind of an up and down year. They tried to convert me to a guard, and I hadn't played guard before. I was always a forward and an off ball guy. Yeah. And so I had to learn there, but I had some good games. I remember hitting the uh, baseline jumper in Pullman against Washington State with like five seconds left. Right. And we beat the Cougars. And Judd Heathcote was the freshman coach of the Cougars that day. I don't know oh, you Judd beat Judd, huh? Nice. Yeah, he was not a happy camper. <laughs> I thought he was running out on the floor after the game. I thought he was going to kill me, but he was going after his own players. So. Oh, really? I, I, I was lucky enough to talk to Judd a couple of times for stories, uh-huh. you know, because he coached that handball team and for UM when Bill Peoples was on it. They won the national championship. Oh, wow. And I called him, talked about that, and I did a story on Robin Selvig when I was in college. Mm-hmm. And his his number was in the phone book in Spokane. He could just look him up and call, and he'd answer. Yeah, he's here. He is a Hall of Fame coach, legend, and just you can get him in the phone book. Yeah, you know he and the guy by the name of Don Monson and Mark Pugh and Dan Fitzgerald. They were all buddy buddy. Yeah, they were all really good friends. They were, you know had ties around here. 
And of course, Mark's still around. Everybody else kind of spread out. I didn't know where Judd was. I haven't heard from him for a while. Yeah, I think Judd passed away a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. I think it's been a few years now. But he was one uh-huh. of the yeah. Uh, Bruce Saylor talks about how funny he was when he coached the Grizzlies. They had their little uh, booster club meetings every week, you know, where he'd had his talk to the people yeah. at the sports bar, and he said it yeah, was like stand-up comedian. Yeah, I'll bet he was. So he was a fire coach. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. He he said to me one time. He told me Robin Selvig, if he didn't hurt his knee, he would have played in the NBA. And I said, really? I didn't. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize he was that good. And he says, yeah, yeah I know what I'm did. talking about. He goes, I I recruited Magic Johnson. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Yeah. So you can't argue with that. Yeah. yeah. Was Gonzaga? Uh, was, what were the crowds like then? Were is it big as it is today? Because those uh, games are it, huge. It is. Now was we were in Big Sky in those days, and the crowds were probably. Gyms were probably half full. Oh, really? Uh, it wasn't very good. Uh, so it was it was a lot different than it is today. I played two years, and then they had a coaching change. Oh. And Hank was the coach, and he actually went to the Bobcats. Okay. And and then I left. He left, and um, I wasn't sure what I was going to do. Uh, I actually had a chance to go to Carroll. Um, Trudnowski called me, and wanted me to come and play at Carroll, but I just, I, I really liked Gonzaga and had made some good friendships and I just decided to stay here. Yeah. Was Jack and Dan's over there yet then? Oh, it was called Joey's in those days. Was it the same, same place? place? Yeah. Uh, um, one of the best nights yeah. I've ever had was at that bar. I love that place. The guy that first owned it then, Joey, I forget his last name, but he was another one that knew all the boxing buddies of my dad. He knew my dad and Eli Thomas and George Thomas and, Michael Dan and those guys, Joey Melia, he knew all those guys. And then when he sold it, he sold it to Jack Stockton, actually, John Stockton's dad. Okay. He was Jack. And that's where Jack and the Jack and Dan escaped from. Yeah, who Dan was. I think that's still the big Gonzaga hangout, is it, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, they do well in Gonzaga days. And, and uh, most all the time, especially when uh, the school's in session, they'll do well. Yeah. And you you stayed there and studied, and then uh, you became a science teacher. I did. I graduated from Gonzaga in '73. Yeah. And didn't know what I was going to do. I had a degree in biology, and I got a job offer in Rock Island, Illinois, of all places, to be a water treatment plant operator. No kidding. So I took it, yeah. and I went out to Rock Island. I lasted like three months. I hated the Midwest. <laughs> You know, we were taking water out of the Mississippi River, and it called Muddy Mississippi for a reason. And then we were treating it and making it potable and putting it into towers for people to drink. Um, but I, I didn't like the job. And I thought, I'm going to, I always thought about coaching. So I came back and went to Montana State for a year and got my teaching certification and, and then went from there. Yes. And you taught and pretty much coached for a long time after that. I did that 25 years in Montana. Um, retired from Flathead High School in 2000. Then I came out here um, in 2000 and took a job in running the Spokane AAU basketball program. Oh, really? And Yeah, that was okay, but um, difficult job. I was running all over town and trying to get referees, and we would be playing up at Mead and playing out in Liberty Lake, and, you know, that's a 45-minute drive between the two gyms and trying to keep things organized. So I, I did that for a year, and, and um, I, I took a job in a small school. I thought I'd go back into teaching and coach teaching for a while. I took a job in a small school between Spokane and 
in Tri Cities, and um, I stayed there 12 years. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so, and that was fun. I even coached a little bit, but we were so small that like the high school had like 18 kids in it. So to have a basketball team, I, I coached the boys one year. We had seven kids. And I coached the girls three years, and we had eight kids was the most I ever had. And that was including an eighth grader. No kidding. <laughs> and so it was difficult. But we competed. We did okay. We won some games, and and uh, we, we were competitive. But we just were out most of the time. It's pretty hard to play for when it's eighth graders against juniors and seniors. Yeah. Now, is your wife a butte girl? She is. Diane Ryan. Oh, really? uh, was her name, and she graduated from Central Girl Central, uh, Butte Central now in 1971. And I met her in, in Montana State. It was oh, really? Funny. Yeah, because yeah, you would know her in high school because you went to a different school, even though you were both Central kids. Yeah, you know? I didn't know her. I knew her brother Carl Ryan and, and her brother Jim Ryan, but I didn't know Diane. And I met her in line at a Montana Bobcat, Montana State Bobcat football game. Really. We had a mutual friend named Mary Kay Thompson. Uh, you might know Bubba Maloney. Oh yeah. Um, Mary Kay it was uh, is was uh, Bubba's wife. Uh-huh. And she she grew up down the street from us, and so she introduced Diane and I. And uh, I said, well, let's. Uh, we were talking in line trying to get in the game and hitting it off pretty good. So I said, hey, where do you go after the game? And she told me this place. So she went to the dance hall. So I met up with her that night after the game, and she was there, and. and uh, we started dating, and that's how it all worked out. Landed huh? up, yeah. So, well, you know, it's fun. I, I refereed a couple of basketball games today. The the freshman games at Butte High against uh, against uh, Flathead, by the way, which is kind of kind of a funny coincidence. But uh, and a, a guy calls me over. I can't remember. Is a guy whose name I should know, and he says, "You the guy with the podcast?" And I said, "Yeah." And he goes. When's Joe Antonetti going to be on? I'm like, how did you know Joe Antonetti was going to be on? I told my mom and dad, and that's about it. And uh, I guess your 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 wife texted his wife, and and told him you were going to be on. <laughs> the boy, so he was wondering what it was going to be. The big guy. He was sitting down, so I I, I can't remember how big he was. Well, might have been Freddie Goodman. Yeah, he coached my freshman team for me for years oh. when I was in girls and boys and, that could and he be. actually been the voice coach for a while after I left there. He, he's a great guy. Oh yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it was kind of funny to hear that because I, you know, I didn't even tell anybody. <laughs> you know? Yeah, me either. It's a small world. My yeah. cousin named me somehow. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So. Well, you know, you, I, I went up to, to watch a football game. My last year, my son played a freshman or, 2022, the fall, a freshman game at Kalispell. And I looked at, they have the wall of, you know, heroes or whatever they call it, hero stadium up there. And I couldn't believe all the names of the Butte guys that went up to Kalispell. When I went to Flathead High uh, in 1980, no, 1984, and Hus Jensen was there. Hus was up there, really? Chuck Golikowski was there. Freddie Merrick, I don't know if you know Freddie, he was there. Yeah. Um, Dan Hodge, one of the best athletes ever found at Butte. Yeah, he be, a Butte Sports Hall of Famer a cup from a few years ago. Tony was there. Patty Lee was a Butte boy. He was, they were all teaching at Flathead High, every yeah. one of them. Will Epperly, Epps was the boys' coach. And he's originally from Butte, and all those guys were at Flathead. Isn't it crazy that the pipeline, and there was even more than that, like uh, uh, Sweeney, didn't Sweeney coach up there, Jim Sweeney? 
Yes, he was up there for a while. That was before I was ever in high school. He was yeah. In, um, yeah, so there's just so many. It was just it was crazy how many Butte guys have been coaching not, and done great cool. things, not just been up there teaching and coaching, but been, you know, outstanding coaches. Yes, yeah. All, all of them were excellent in what they did. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, what a great uh, what what a great thing that's. It's just kind of cool. And yeah, uh, I, and I met uh, Epper or some of the Epperleys. You know, every time there's a Kalispell comes to town, seems like there's an Epperly in the crowd. Oh yeah, Jimmy's probably Jimmy's kid or yeah. I, I don't too much. I've been out of there for a while now. Yeah, I had Julie. I had the daughter play for me, and uh, what a great player! I'll, I'll tell you a story about a game against Butte High when Julie was a senior. Yeah. We were playing Butte High as the last game of the season. And we had a one-game lead in conference over Butte High, and the one-game lead was because we had beat Butte in a relatively close game up in Flathead about a month earlier. So it's the last game of the season. If Butte beats us, we end up tied for the conference championship, league championship. If we win, we get it outright, and Butte gets second. So it's towards the end of the game, and Julie Epley is my point guard, and Butte has the point guard named Anna Weary. Oh, and Anna well, yeah. So anyway, late in the game and Butte High scores with just a little bit of time left and we're up two. But we got the ball in our basket. Ted Ackerman is the coach for Butte High calls timeout. Their last timeout. We don't have any left. So we set up a play that we practice with Julie throws the ball across the out of bounds line to another girl on the other side of the basket. We back pick for Julie and we look to throw deep as our first option. So we set it up, we got him, we caught him good. Julie's wide open in half court. And my girl throws it off the back of the backboard. <laughs> so Duke gets the ball. It's disarray. The place is going wild. We're <laughs> down. We're up to they inbounds the ball to the baseline and immediately to the top key. And Anna Weary buries a three. So they're up one. And there must be seven, eight seconds left. Julie Eppley is running down the floor because she tried to deflect uh, Anna Worry's shot. So my off guard named Katie Schultz, she gets the ball and she splits a double team, gets to half court, and flies the ball down to the far baseline. Julia spotted up at the three-point line because Ackerman's daughter is under the basket and not going to get near the basket. <laughs> and she left with a three-point shot, and Anna Worry just misses it, and she swishes it and will win by two. Wow. What a game that was. Is that the Civic Center? or? No, it was at West Junior High. Oh, they played at West that sometimes then, yeah. Yeah, up there. Boy, it was noisy and it was a good game. Hey, everyone. John Wick here. You might recognize this buttery smooth voice from the episode 81 of the Buttecast. Along with my wife, Cassie, I want to take a second and thank everyone for supporting 5518 Designs, our store at 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte. For seven years now, we have made it our goal to celebrate who we are and what we enjoy about living in Butte and in Montana. At 5518, you'll find the latest in-house design apparel and gifts that do just that. And they're all produced locally and finished in store. We also carry a wide variety of outdoor essentials from trusted brands like Chaco, Kavu, and Dekine. I invite you to stop in the next time you're shopping, eating, or even playing in historic Uptown Butte. 5518 Designs, 27 North Main Street in Uptown Butte, and online at shop5518.com. Are you looking for a place to host a special event or a party, or just looking for a drink served by the best mixologist in town? Look no further than 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino. Take a step back in time and enjoy some of our signature cocktails such as an old-fashioned or a pink mate. 
Stop in for happy hour Monday through Thursday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. and 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Friday and Saturday for $2 cans of your favorite beer or two for five seltzers or well mixers. Or try one of our tap beers for just $5 along with weekly specialty cocktails. Located underneath the Miners Hotel, where Butte locals receive a 20% discount on rooms, 51 Below has live music every Friday night. So stop by 51 Below Speakeasy and Casino for a good time with good friends and great drinks. And don't forget to dial 5. You want to watch your favorite football team on Sunday, but it isn't on TV? No problem. Go to Metal Sports Bar and Grill and check out all the games. In addition to a full-service bar and a menu full of terrific entrees cooked to perfection, Metals also has the Sunday ticket. Kick back with some raised fingers, the best pizza in town, and a refreshing drink as you root on your team on one of 31 big screen TVs at Metals. Don't miss a moment of your favorite team with Metals Sports Bar and Grill, where the food is the star. Metals is open at 11 a.m. every Sunday during football season. There's no story so good that a drink from Park Street Liquors won't make it better. From the finest whiskeys and regional spirits to the latest RTDs and select wines, Park Street Liquors has all the ingredients to make your parties and stories legendary. Park Street Liquors can also assist with your corporate event or wedding by helping create and plan your wine and spirits menus. You name it and Park Street Liquors has it. Stop by and see Tom and the crew at 133 West Park Street or call 406-782-6278. Make your stories Legendary. This message is brought to you by Anode Designs here in Anaconda. Hi, this is Blake, sports broadcasting legend and Golden Tee Golf semi-professional. During my time as a world-renowned sports broadcaster, covering all 12,348 Montana schools over my 21 years on the job, I've seen and heard it all. But nothing compares to the ButteCast. Don't take it from me. Take it from a formerly employed disc jockey turned shrewd corporate shill. Tell you all about it. Hi, Paul Panisco here. Over my time in broadcasting, Blake is easily in the top 120 broadcasters I've ever heard call a high school volleyball match before. And forget about being the best voice ever in Anaconda High School streaming service history. He's also his family's all-you-can-eat buffet eating champion. Ha <laughs> ha! Embellishment is the word of the day, kids. And there's nobody who embellishes facts and figures quite like our boy Billy here on the ButteCast. Mr. Foley is doing a fine job letting all of us outsiders learn about the trials and tribulations of the second or third greatest city here in Montana. Our baby brother Butte. And because he's doing such a fine job, let us tell you of another who does fine work in your fair city. John and company at 5518 and Big City in Uptown Butte. They can customize any wearable garments you can imagine, except the thongs and unmentionables Billy wears. That's all us here at Anode Designs. If your company is needing embroidery in a jiffy, call on us here at Anode Designs. We know you can't get it in a week anywhere else, but we can. And all jokes aside, cue your Bears and Red Sox takes. That's no embellishment. Yeah, and you had a you had an incredible run, 12 years... Was it twelve years that the girls you coached? And I yeah, believe you. Yeah, I believe you went did. to state twelve years. We did, yeah. Then we got placed out in the Oh, I don't know, nine of those years, I think. Yeah. So it was fun. We had a really had a really nice run. And did you win a title really at all? Kids. What's that? Did you guys win the title at all during those twelve years? No. The closest we got was in the Civic Center when, um, I think 
a year now. We were ahead by two in overtime against Missoula Big Sky late in the game and had a girl's free throw line, and she missed a free throw with five seconds left. And Missoula Big Sky had a girl named Kelly Pilcher. She took a couple dribbles and let one fly from about 55 feet <laughs> and banked it in. No way. And we lost the title by one. Yeah. Oh, so that's. That was a good thing to lose. But that was the, actually the first year of the three point shot. Okay. Yeah. And that was, uh, I, from what I found in the story, you had a record of 214 and 69 as a head coach. That's an incredible winning percentage. Yeah. You got to have a lot of good kids and yeah. a lot of good which is helping them, you know, for that to happen. But we did have a lot of fun up there. We really did. Yeah. And th- then you took the boy job, the boys job over uh, after a while. I did. I, I took it over for two years. And if I look back, I should have probably kept the girls. But uh, <laughs> the boys were down a little bit. But we ended up getting the state that first year. We, we won a playoff game at Butte against Butte, in fact, to get there. And, or no, we won our first playoff game at Butte. And then we had to go beat Sentinel uh, at Sentinel. We won that game and we got to state. So that helped a lot. Yeah. And it didn't go quite as well as we wanted to. And that was kind of enough for me. That was enough for you. And yeah. So uh, did, what What else did you do when you were up in Kalispell? You, you, did, you, you taught? Did you Did you play golf too like your, your, like your dad did? Yeah, not as much because. Some beautiful courses up there. You know, in, in, in summertime. We would have our own summer camp first week after school got out. I'd be in the gym the whole week. And then we'd come out to an Eastern Washington summer camp. Then we'd go home. We had summer league two nights a week. We had uh, kids in two mornings a week shooting and then lifting weights. Yeah. And then uh, we had uh, another camp. We'd come out here, Mike Hardy at Gonzaga Prep. We'd come out to his camp all the time. And all of a sudden, it's time to start the season again. So summers just would fly by and just spend a lot of time in the gym even in those days. Yeah. Yeah, te- teaching and coaching isn't necessarily a nine to five job like a lot of people think it is. <laughs> and you do it because you do it. Yeah. You do it because it's a lot of fun, and, 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 but you, you put a lot of time into it. Yeah. And then uh, your dad went into the Butte Sports Hall of Fame in 97, yes. which was pretty awesome. And then six years later in 2003, you get inducted. Yeah, I was, I was really fortunate to get in. Was, was your dad still alive then? Um, yes, he was. So, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Did, were they doing the green jackets then, or was that? Yeah. No, I have a green jacket, which is so special. that I keep it in my closet, and it's just, you know, it's anyone that's got one, it means a whole lot to them. Yeah. And I just look at the class that you went in with. was just insane. I just got the list here. You got Jim Bertoglio, Mick Dennehy, Jim Hanley, uh-huh. Shauna yep. Hanley, Mick Houlihan, yeah. the great runner, Len Kelly, yeah. Don McAuliffe, who's a, I got had him on the podcast a few months ago before he became a Diamond B, and uh-huh. Charlie Merrifield, Brian right. Moore, Brian Morris, which you know incredible, yeah. Sheila, yeah, Sheila Penalua, Penaluna, Joe Roberts, and Dave Silk. I mean, isn't that, that, a, isn't that an amazing group of people? It's hard. Of course, I look at the classes, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm such a geek when it comes to Butte sports history. You know, I see the names, I'm blown away by a lot of the classes, but that one's hard to beat. <laughs> That's a good class. Yeah, it, it's funny. And one of my, growing up, you know, I knew all those guys one and gals one way or another, but playing against Mick Dennehy for me was uh, 
such a special thing because he was such a great athlete for Butte High. In fact, I'll still never forget the first time I scored on Nick. I was a junior against Butte High in the Civic Center, and he didn't normally guard me, but he picked me up in the break one time on the left wing, and, and he was not about to let me get by him to the basket, so I pulled up from about 17 feet and was able to make the basket. And that was a special moment for me. I never did forget that. Yeah. Yeah, Mick was uh, he was just good at everything he did, wasn't he? He could probably yeah, play. If he played pickleball now, he'd probably be one of the best in town. I'm sure he would be. Great competitor <laughs> and great athlete. Yeah, he'd sure, he'd sure play to win, that's for sure, yeah. Yeah, he would, I guarantee it. Yeah, I, I, I was uh, – I worked at the school paper at UM when he was the coach. And it was it was intimidating talking to Mick, you know, because Mick, uh-huh. Mick, Mick, Mick didn't like talking to the media. But I was uh, I was a Butte guy, so he talked to me pretty. You know, <laughs> I got the best quotes from him. You know, yeah, yeah I got along with, with Mick. He married a Central girl, you know. Yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I haven't seen those two for a long time. Hey, when you when you said your brother in law's Jim Ryan, is that the former fireman? No, different. No. Okay, because there's a couple. Uh, Couple of those, it was quite a few of the Ryans. I know. I just thought of that real quick. Uh-huh. Carl and Jim were Diane's yeah. uh, older brothers. And Carl lives. He lives in uh, Palm Desert now, but he spent a lot of his life in Laurel as an optometrist, and then finally out in uh, Bend, Oregon. And Jim lives here in Levy Lake. He's retired. He um, he was a uh, a journalist actually, and worked for a lot of different uh, um, news organizations along the way. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, when you went into the Hall of Fame, you, of course, you had you had a father-daughter in your class with Jim and Shauna Hanley going in together. But th- right. that was pretty – there wasn't a whole bunch of people. I mean, you, you, you were joining a pretty small group of people like the Glenn Welch and Glenn Welch both in the Hall of Fame. But there's not – that's pretty cool to follow your father into the Butte Sports Hall of Fame yeah. a few I years later. And how much it meant to him and to, uh, to me as well. So yeah. That was a really special thing when – and I was able to get in there, and, and he's already in there. It meant a lot. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty cool. I, I just can't imagine what that that must have been yeah. like. Yeah, the different sports. You know, we had different uh, things that we liked athletically, and that's the one thing I appreciate about my dad. He let me. He wanted me to compete hard. Always told me if you're going to do it, you know, compete hard and do the best you can, and work at it real hard and practice. But he didn't push me in the box, and he let me do what I wanted to do. So. Well, that was a good thing. Yeah, he yeah let you do what your own thing. That's for that's that's a, a good sign. Yeah. A good good parent right there. Let you do what you want. Yeah, and that's one of the things that concerns me a little bit about parents today, and and even programs. You probably know this, but kids are starting to specialize at a younger and younger oh, age yeah. level. God, I, I think it's important that they try a different, a lot of different sports and decide what they like the most and what they're best at. And then they kind of go from there as they get a little bit older. Yeah. We tell kids sometimes that they're, you know, I remember my son told me, I think we're using fourth grade. And he told me one, yeah. he was thinking about playing basketball, but he says it's too late. The other kids are already on travel teams and he's not going to be, he's going to be behind them. Yeah. And I said that, no, no way. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's no way we're yeah. going to know if you're not good enough in basketball until you're at least in eighth grade. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just gone off. I don't know, but uh, it, it's gone a long ways that way. And kids are starting at younger age levels and they're choosing sports at younger age levels. I'm not so sure it's a good thing. Yeah. And I, that's kind of the topic I had last time I talked to Dan Hodge at a track meet. 
He was oh, uh, damn, what a great guy. Yeah. Yeah, he pulls out a picture. It was funny, he showed me a picture of uh Tommy Malott running behind in a track meet. He was a freshman at Butte High and and in first place mm-hmm. in the race was Troy Anderson, the you know, who ended up they were both teammates of the Bobcats. Mm-hmm. And uh he was showed me that picture of the importance of running track. And I it was funny because that was a picture I took on Butte Sports and ended up going viral like years later because it was the two Bobcat stars in the same picture. Someone dug it up and put it on Twitter. <laughs> and Dan yeah. showed me that. But he's right, though. I mean, running track, like you said, cross country was such a big, important thing for you. You know, running track, yeah. is there's not a sport you're not going to benefit from running by running track. Yeah, it's just, it's amazing what one sport will do for you um, for another sport. Yeah, which was cool this year when they had baseball. Butte High, they got to do track and baseball. That They had their first... Their first forty-five minutes to an hour of baseball practice was with the track team, so oh, yeah. so some of the kids did both. Uh-huh. You know, they they were able to. A couple of them lettered in both sports, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, so it was it was kind of fun to kind of fun to see see that and and good to see the coach the baseball coaches embrace the importance of track because you know you you want kids who can run when they're on those bases. Yeah, exactly. Track is a great sport for kids. There's an individual event just about for every kid, and you got to compete and you got to work at it. And when you're doing any running, when you're doing any running, it seems to make you a better athlete. Yeah. Now, all those years that you coached, you coach, you bounced around coaching quite a few places. It would you coached in what Park City, mm-hmm. Townsend, right. was it right. Priest River, Idaho? I had. Right. Is that, did you ever mm-hmm. did you ever look at coming back to Butte? Yes, twice. Really? Um, uh, actually, three times. I applied for a job at Butte High twice, and I did not get an interview either time. Um, and I applied for a job at Central once, and I got an interview. And in all three times, I wanted to be the head basketball coach. I was a little bit stubborn about that. Yeah. But in any case, uh, I got the interview at Central, and they gave the job to Jay Vogelsang, who had been a long time an assistant. Yeah. And he should have got the job. Jay is a good friend of mine. He deserved that. And Central called me and offered me the girls' job if I wanted it. But, you know, I couldn't afford it. Yeah. I just afforded it. I was already established, and I was teaching and coaching elsewhere in Montana, and um, I had two young kids, so I, I had to turn them down. But I, I did think about coming back to you several times. Yeah, I think I think in the late 80s when I first started going to Central's, someone told me that the teachers were making $10,000 a year or something like that. Yeah, it, the summer wasn't good. The benefits weren't good. I was yeah. really surprised. So um, that's kind of what happened and yeah. as far as my my chances of coming back to Butte and coach. Yeah. I better point out because Don Peoples will be calling me if I don't point it out that they pay a lot better than these days. <laughs> you know, yeah, they work hard to yeah, secure money. Don Peoples Senior was one of my teachers and a coach at uh, at Central when I was there. What a great man he was. Was he, Was he a good teacher? Yeah, he taught biology, and that's what I had him for. And I don't know what else. In those days, he taught various subjects. And then he uh, he, he coached a variety of different sports. He was the athletic director when I was a senior in high school. Oh, really? Yeah. That's so, yeah, a good one. Who are, who are some of the coaches who influenced you when you coached? Did you did you look back and think you were you were kind of acting like this guy a little bit when you were on the bench, or was there anybody you know, like that? You got at first, I, I tried to be a little bit of a combination between Otto and Putter. Mm-hmm. You have to be careful being any kind of a Putter. <laughs> um, 
And I found out right away that I had to be Joe Antonetti. You got to be yourself. Yeah. Uh, it didn't take me long to learn that. And, and I was fortunate that those was a little bit stubborn. I always wanted to be just a head coach and I didn't want to go and be an assistant with anybody. So I learned a lot under fire in Park City and Townsend and Priestover. But you, you learn as you go. And, and we were fortunate to have success everywhere, at least to some degree. And, and that helped. And, yeah, and they eventually ended up at Flathead High. Well, what 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 kind of coach was Joe Antonetti? Were you uh, were you easygoing coach, or were you pretty hard? Were you, would would have been hard for me to be a referee? Would you've been yelling at me a lot? Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it, it depends, you know. I just wanted referees to be consistent. Yeah. Um, from the beginning of the game to the end of the game, and consistent calling both teams. Yeah. You know that was the main thing for me. Um, but I had high expectations of kids. But at the same time, you got to be real. Um, you got to give kids a lot of confidence and, and and a lot of encouragement as you go, especially the younger they are. And uh, so I had a little bit of both. Yeah, and when you're coaching girls, it's a little bit different too. Kind of a different animal. Jeez, yeah. When I went to Flathead, I never expected to coach girls. But you know, I coached two Butte kids. At a Carroll College basketball camp, girls camp one year. One was, I think her name was Deanna Dugdale. Oh, I'm she, just, sure that. Yeah, she just went in the Butte Sports Hall of Fame last time. And I coached her at a camp, and a girl, one of the people's, young people's girls, I forget her first name, was also at a Carroll College girls camp. And I just thoroughly enjoyed those kids and some of the other girls I coached there and thought, you know, this is, they work just as hard, they compete just as hard, their skill level's good. And so, that kind of gave me the idea when I had the opportunity to go to Flathead High School to um, to take the job. Shop where the champions shop. Dig City Supply is now the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics, and you're home to everything or diggers. But that's just where we start. We've got Uptown's largest selection of Butte High and Butte Central apparel, as well as all the area elementary schools. And while you're in, be sure to check out our special line of gear that we call the Butte Icon Collection. We've partnered with some cherished Butte businesses and organizations to create some fun, nostalgic designs, celebrating all the awesomeness that we have right here in town. Wear your pride from Dig City Supply, the official online retailer of Montana Tech Athletics. Uptown Butte at 43 West Park Street and online at digcitysupply.com. Lockmer Plumbing is more than Butte's complete union plumbing shop. Whether it is sponsoring Little League Baseball, High School Athletics, Montana Tech, Youth Racing, 4-H, Mining City Christmas, Action Inc.'s Homeless Solution Program, Head Start, or Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Butte, Lockmer Plumbing is always looking out for the people of the mining city. Owned and operated by Troy and Amy Lockmer since 2002, Lockmer Plumbing can handle all your residential, commercial, and industrial plumbing needs as well as making repairs and installations on all plumbing and boiler systems. In the heart of Uptown Butte, Lockmer Plumbing can also assist on new construction and planning for your new home or development. Call 406-782-2224 or visit LockmerPlumbing.com today. Lockmer Plumbing has your pipes covered and so much more. Oh look, there's another one. Your favorite tavern, neighborhood gas station, and video stores have all been turned into the same thing, a casino. At Crazy Carol's, we've been doing things the right way for more than three decades. So let me introduce myself. I'm Deb Dinius, the manager of Crazy Carol's Casino Mill Bar, where you'll always find fun in motion and service that sets us apart. Take a trip off the beaten path. Come on over to the hood. We're located on the corner of Walnut and Hayes, where you'll find the big red barn just off the shores of beautiful Lake Berkeley. 
correctly. And don't forget, Bucko the Horse is available for photos. At Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar, we're still segrevious after all these years. Thank you, Butte. Everybody knows the place to go. Crazy Carol's Casino and Mill Bar. You already know about the Knights of Columbus Athletic Club, which is the best workout bargain in town. But did you know the KC also is home to JoyFit 406? JoyFit 406 is Butte's only boutique fitness studio offering indoor cycling as well as a rich variety of other fitness classes from dance fitness and bar to Pilates, strength and conditioning, and flow. Regardless of your fitness level, JoyFit 406 fosters a spirit of inclusion and community. At JoyFit 406, they believe in more than just fitness. They believe in building connections and friendship that last a lifetime. Join their vibrant community today where health, happiness, and camaraderie come together in perfect harmony. Your journey to a stronger, more joyful you starts at JoyFit 406. To book a class or to get more information, visit JoyFit406.com, like JoyFit406 on social media, and download the JoyFit406 app. Also, don't forget to book the renovated Knights of Columbus Hall for your party or reception today. The Knights of Columbus is a proud sponsor of the Buttecast. Hey Butte America, Jeremiah Shields here at Lescovar Honda. We got some winter specials designed to keep your vehicle clean and looking sharp. If you're in need of a new windshield, let us take care of you and we will take $60 off of your next full detail. Short on funds? No worries. We've got flexible financing terms for just about everybody. Also, we are offering free windshield chip repair and headlight restoration with the purchase of a full detail. Remember, we offer pickup and delivery service as well at no cost. Because here at Lescavar Honda, we got you. Yet I've noticed as, uh, of course, as a sports writer, I'd noticed a little bit, but really as a referee the last, you know, year and a half that I've been refereeing now, that the girls are so much more aggressive sometimes and they can be meaner. Like you'll see, you'll, you'll see the elbow violation. I've, you know, I've, I've had to call that like five or six times for someone throwing an elbow and they can. Al- almost all girls. And they can be, they can be intimidating. Yeah. Some of the girls can be intimidating, so, but they compete well and they play hard. And I got two granddaughters playing over here now and it's just fun to watch them. They're both in grade school, but really? it's just it's an enjoyment for me to go watch and play. How many grandkids do you have? I have four. I've got, uh, I'm fortunate to have my oldest son, Mark, that lives uh, only 10 minutes from me. And he's got two girls in grade school, 10 and eight years old. And then my other son, Eric lives in, uh, just north of Sacramento, he's a Air Force Academy graduate, and he uh, he, he teaches. Uh, he he flies the T-38 as an instructor pilot or fighter pilots at Beale Air Force Base north of Sacramento. Really? And he's got two um, preschool kids, a boy and a girl. So, well, that's um, cool. did he ever take you on a flight? Well, he you know, last time I went down to see him, we flew in a little Cessna yeah. from Sacramento into San Francisco over the Napa Valley, over the Golden Gate Bridge, over Alcatraz, and back. Awesome. It, it was, we had a good day, and it was just my wife and I and Eric, so it was a lot of fun. He didn't do the, any spin <laughs> rolls or anything for you? I've had the chance. I've flown a T-38, a B-2, and a um, T-6 in simulators. Oh, really? Those are the three planes he, he's flown, and so I was able to fly those in simulators, and that's, that's a pretty neat thing. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'd love to be able to do something like that. The, simu- yeah. the simulator would be the fun part, the best part. <laughs> it's like it's yeah. like it's like riding my exercise bike inside. You had to steer with your feet. 
and I never made it up and running before I, cla- I crashed. But, oh, damn. Uh, <laughs> in that is, so you learn those things before you do the real thing. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. So, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you even giving me this opportunity because even though I've been out of Butte for a while, I'm always been a beautiful land. It's such a great city and such a, the people there are just a special group of people. And, uh, you know, I love Butte and, and everything about it. Yeah. And you're in Lake, is it, are you still in Liberty Lake, Washington? Yes, I am. Yes. And that's, that's pretty just like outside of Spokane, right? Yeah, it's about halfway between Spokane and Coeur d'Alene. Okay. And uh, do, you, do you get back to Butte very often? Uh, not as much as I used to. And both my parents have passed on and all my siblings live elsewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, out in the Portland, Seattle area. So it's a little more difficult to get back. So we try to get back when we can, but not near as much as we'd like to. Yeah. And, and you told me you were watching when Dougie hit that shot almost two years ago. Were you at the game oh, or are you on TV? A simulcast. I didn't see it, but oh. I was thrilled. And he hit that for Central to win it. For him to to make that three at the end of the game to win it, it's just a special, special thing. And it, it made me feel really good. And real proud of the team and the coach and him and, and, and just Butte Central in general. Yeah, that was a great game. That was one of the best games I've ever covered as a writer. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it was. So yeah, and the yeah, funny I and have you, did you ever meet Dougie or Brooke after yeah, they broke I record? In, in Brooke, I'm one of Brooke's grandma and grandpa, or Janet and John Badavinick. Yeah, um, are they? Yeah, yeah, that's their that's their, her grandparents. Yeah, great people. <laughs> Down the street from where I grew up in Butte. Oh, really? In Carolina Street, and my mom and and her grandma and. We're good friends, and they used to drink coffee together and things. And I've known John and Janet for looking what great people they are. So I'm sure Brooke is the, is the same. Yeah, she's a sweet kid. She's really, really nice, quiet, and just great. She's start, she's already looking good up at Montana Tech. Good. And Dougie good. had a big game. Dougie scored 20 points the other day for uh, College of Idaho in a big win. That's good to hear that they're both having some success. Yeah, and that that shot, of course, I, you know, I covered, I followed Dougie's career. He's the only player to ever hug me after I interviewed him. He get, he hugged really? me after after he won that game. Yeah. And, that must have made you feel good. Yeah, he's a, he's such a good kid. I really I just love him to death. But when he hit that shot, it was the most unsurprising thing ever because I've seen him make yeah. that shot seventy million times. What was surprising is when he stole the ball and took it down for the three point play right before that, you know, because he wasn't known for his defense. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that, but yeah, not a great thing. No, that's, that's exciting. So yeah, I was with both those kids and the careers that they both had. Yeah, and what's that like when you're seeing stories? I don't know if you were reading, if you read anything on ButteSports.com back then, when your name suddenly in all these game stories because of a couple kids you know, decades later are chasing your record. And, and that's kind of the cool thing about having a record is because years later, your name gets brought up as being the record holder. Yeah. That that had to be pretty, pretty cool. After all these years, but uh, yeah, that is a pretty neat thing. Yeah. And, 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 uh, and, and so I'm glad they got him. Yeah. And, and I think Dougie, see yours was in 27 games and, Dougie's was in 27 games. He had 219. So as great a year that Dougie had, you still had uh, nine more points than him that year. Oh, I didn't realize that. Wow. So it's, yeah, because yeah, he had two, I believe he had 629 and 
27 games and you had 638 in 27 games. So, so, and you didn't have, and, and you would have had more had they had a three point shot. Yeah, probably because we didn't work on those shots in those days because you didn't need to. Yeah, it's kind of silly to shoot from 20 feet when you can shoot from 12. 15 to 19 feet. So that's where I tried to get most of my jump shots from was that range of 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah, that's a... Three-point shot has sure changed the game. Yeah, do you wish you had it when you played? Yeah, it would have been fun. It would have changed it again and... The other thing that's different is we didn't have a shot clock in our day, so games could delay and slow the game yeah. down and didn't have to use a shot clock. So, But that's a good change. I'm really glad there's a shot clock now. Yeah, that's been a great change, the shot clock. And there's yeah. th- this year we got a couple different rules, too. We have or another The big rule change is there's no one-on-one anymore. Oh, really? Yeah, we have uh, the fifth foul of each quarter is a double bonus. So you oh, get okay. two shots, and then the fouls reset at the – Start of the second quarter and then the start of the fourth quarter. They it re- sounds like they're doing the women's college game, I believe. Yeah, they do that. They yeah. they they figure it. You know that way, if a team gets in foul trouble early, they can adjust and they're not mm-hmm. penalized the whole half. And then, yeah, and also they, which kind of seems silly, but they also pointed out that there's not as many boxing outs chances to get hurt. <laughs> All the mm-hmm. years I watch basketball, I don't remember anybody getting hurt on a box out for a free throw. Yeah, I don't know if that. Happened often. It would probably happen, but (laughs) couldn't couldn't be a lot. Yeah, make your free throw, and you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So, so life going pretty good now for you over there, watching your grandkids and retired now since nine years. And the big thing is, we get to my wife and I, Diane's retired also. We get to follow our grandkids, and they're involved in. Soft basketball, softball, and basketball, and soccer, and cross country, and all kinds of things. So yeah. uh, we follow as much as we can, which is really a good thing. I can't think of much better than watching your grandkids play. Yeah, now I know what it's like to be a parent. <laughs> you're not you're not yelling <laughs> at the officials at these little tournaments, are you? We just wanted to do so well, yeah. whatever they do. It's just it's just human nature. So. Yeah, everybody does it. It's really fun watching the grandkids play. Unfortunately, they're both having some successes, which makes it better. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, yeah, that's great. You know, Joe, I've I've looked forward to talking to you for so long. You know, yeah, uh, and I just appreciate it. Let, let me tell you one story about coaching. Okay, can I do that? Absolutely. We were. I told you I, I coached in a small school. This was the last time coaching, and I, I didn't go to the school to coach. I just went to teach, but. The head of the school board had a couple daughters on the team. They didn't have a coach, so they wanted me to take them for a couple of years. And so I said, okay, I'll be back. So the second year, got them. first year we had some success, won a few games. Second year, we're doing pretty good. And we're in the divisional tournament down in Walla Walla. And we just lost. I had a nice little junior point guard, and she tore an ACL about a week before the tournament. So that, no. that doesn't hit on it. Yeah. I got this little sophomore kid. She's a little bulldog, and she's my point guard. And she's the only other guard I really have. I've only got seven kids on the team now. And so we're playing, and it's the the end of the third quarter against the number one team. And we're only down two, and we're thrilled. We're playing well. And my point guard's named Bree, and she gets her fourth foul. And I thought, oh, no. <laughs> um, I made a quick decision. I'm going to take her out. There's about a minute to go in the third quarter. And I have to have my post girl bring the ball down and then post up. That's the only other girl I have that can handle the ball. 
And so we survived the third quarter. We keep bringing on the dance. I made a decision. I'll just get as much time out of this as I can. I got about 20 seconds into the fourth quarter. I've got to get Bree back in. I call Bree, and the last thing I tell her is, Bree, you cannot get any fouls. No contact whatsoever. Play hard, but play really smart. Yes, coach. I know. Okay. <laughs> out comes the eighth grade kid. And I'm talking to the eighth grader and not paying attention. Immediately, all of a sudden, I hear the crowd, ooh, and on. Oh, no. So I look up, and there's Bree and the point guard from the other team tangled up on the floor near half court. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, please, no. Sure enough, Bree gets up, stomps over towards me and looks at me right straight in the face and right in the eyes and says, at least I drew blood. And sat down. <laughs> That's and awesome. I'm like, that was about my last coaching story that I ever had. But, you know, at least I drew blood, huh? <laughs> if you're going to foul, you make it count, right? You made it count, yeah. Yeah, that's what I, – I, I tackled Josh Paffhausen in fifth grade. He stole, oh, he, he stole the ball from me, you know. He was the same age as me. He played for Hillcrest. I played for Kennedy. And, uh, uh-huh. and our coach always told us, if you're going to foul them, make sure they don't make the basket, uh-huh. which wasn't a good thing to tell us Hill kids, you know. So yeah, so Paffer steals the ball for me because I had no left hand, and he goes up and I tackled him into the gym stage, and uh, he didn't make the basket. <laughs> and uh, the referees was C.D. Holter, one of my buddies. Now he says, "You do that again, I'm going to throw you out of the game." And I said, "That's what my coach told me to do." <laughs> and Keith Miller was my coach. He said, "That's not what I meant." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I I probably drew blood though. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna go out according to Bree. You gotta at least draw blood. Yeah, that's all. She she would survive in the KC League playing like that. Yeah, yeah. Well, City League's a whole different world. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you know, I've had a lot of fun doing that too when I could still play. Yeah. As you get older and you can't jump much anymore, your basketball skills deteriorate real fast. Oh boy. Yeah, and just your run. I I have a calf injury that I reaggravated tonight, referee, and and uh, well, yeah, it's tough getting old. Yeah, yeah, body just doesn't. Your mind still works good, but the body doesn't always do what you want. Yeah, so now I'm I'm now I gotta I gotta. It's gonna take some uh, some prep work to get me to Thursday's games that I'm supposed to work. <laughs> yeah, I, I was on one leg the rest of the for the boys game today. Huh. Okay. Yeah, I wonder who the, who the coach from Calstall was that asked you that. Well, I, I, I'm not sure. I think it was a Butte guy who actually. Was a Butte guy? Yeah, I think it was a Butte guy who asked me because he was sit, just sitting on the other side. Oh, okay. Yeah, he said oh, his wife funny. got a text from your wife that he was going to be on the. You were going to be on the Butte podcast. He said so. He was looking okay. forward to it. He asked when it was going to be. You know, because a lot of people, I still have to explain to a lot of people what a podcast is, you know, yeah. <laughs> my, my, I'm pretty sure my dad still doesn't know. <laughs> is this live or are you going to put it on at another time? I'll, I'll put it on. It'll be post. I'll have a post it Thursday morning. Okay. Yeah. I didn't have any idea. So yeah. Yeah. It's not live. Uh, yeah. I, I stutter too much for a li- Although I don't edit anything. I just run it unedited. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, yeah, that's great. I'm just I feel that you asked me to be honest, as I said. Yeah. Just, well, is there anything anything I missed before we go? Uh, I, I don't think so. Uh, we talked about a lot of things, and uh, I think I'm pretty pretty good. Well, I appreciate it, Joe. And if you ever get back to the mining city, man, look me up, and we'll go out and get some lunch or something. You can tell me that some more basketball like stories. I appreciate you uh, uh, giving me the opportunity to do this. All right, thanks. And if you could. Uh, yeah, just text me a picture. That'd be great. Or 
Oh yes, because I, I, I put a story on your your cousin sent me a couple, but they're kind of blurry. Yeah. Okay. I'll do that. And to, for Danny, yeah, he he's he's a great guy. He still lives here in Spokane and still officiating the Pac-12, or at least doing the. Uh, oh, he does officiate, huh? He was doing the Pac-12 a long time. Then he was doing the. Uh, uh, he was in the booth doing the replay, and and I'm not sure how that's going to play out now that the Pac-12 is now the Pac-2. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not positive. And that's your that. cousin Dan Antonetti. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's Danny. That's awesome. That's so, what a what a great uh, what a great experience that would be. Yeah, yeah. Although, yeah. although the yeah the college football the college sports is just changing so much now though I don't it's weird yeah, we, it was weird getting we used to the Pac-12 from the Pac-10 now with Pac, yeah as I said there's yeah. two teams left. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Yeah, we watch the Zags play when we can. It's hard to get tickets, but we go watch them. And the Zags women are actually really good this year as well. Not yeah. To see them so. And uh, that's kind of fun. Yeah, I used to I, I used to cheer against Gonzaga a little bit because everybody in Butte was for him. But yeah. then, then when I found out that uh, Eli Thomas was still cheering like crazy for Gonzaga, I right. I, I, I wanted him to win for Eli. I never met Eli, but I knew George. <laughs> I knew George really well, and George it felt like I knew Eli because all the stories yeah. George told me. Yeah, they were great guys, the two of them. So yeah, yeah, that was a good group. Well, 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 I appreciate your time, Joe. Okay, and uh, and thank you very much. Like I say, for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, this is this is awesome. I I can't uh, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Phil, I, talking to a true legend. Well, it's uh, that's a long time ago, but I had a lot of fun and and played with some great guys along the way, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. All right, Joe. Well, thanks a lot, and you have a good night. All right. Take care. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, all right. Thank you. 